Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, our go-to for men's below-the-waist grooming products. Manscaped, new product alert. What? It's time to stop, drop, and order this brand new shaving kit that just launched. Introducing the Ultimate Smooth Package, a specialized growing shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking about the new shaver, crop exfoliator, and crop gel. It's time to crop that bush of yours and get right to the roots with a discount just for you. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code Say It Again. From the legends who introduced the electric ball hair trimmer, we now have the razor and set to get you trimmed front to back. Men, you no longer have to borrow your lady's razor for the most precise trim. The Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package is a three-step kit that make your package the perfect package. Step one, the crop exfoliator, infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The crop exfoliator can help reduce the risk of ingrown hairs in your most delicate areas. Next, the crop gel. See what you've been shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin. With essential oils, it's like a spa treatment every time you shave spa treatment for your balls. It's time to shave. The crop shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. Three precise blades include extra wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. The crop shaver is not your average razor. It's smaller, thicker with a micro comb bar that allows for the best shape possible from any angle. All three of these vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfite free products are included so you know your manhood is in good hands. It's time to get up and close and personal with your best tools for the drop. The ultimate smooth package from Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code say it again at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping with the code say it again at Manscaped. Smooth it out fellas with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. And on to our show. Welcome back to your weekly dose of shock therapy. I'm your host, Tyler Lawrence. With me is my co-host, Zach Alfers. We have a special guest today. I want to introduce to you guys somebody who does a lot of analytics. He does a lot of analytic-driven videos for the Guilty as Charged podcast, and he writes for the Michigan Football Analytics Society. He gives a fresh perspective on the analytics side of football, specifically for the Chargers, Check out his articles on mfootballanalytics.com and find him on Twitter at ArjunMinnen100. How you doing, Arjun? Doing good. Thanks for having me today. So I got a couple questions for you, man. Number one, like, how did you get into this whole analytics thing that you, you've been doing? Yeah, so initially it was started with trying to gain an edge in fantasy football. Uh, like in high school, and I just like started learning a little bit more about the analytical side of football, learning football through the numbers, not specifically through film, because I never played football, but I had a good understanding of it. Then when I got to Michigan uh, this past semester, uh, my first semester, 
this past year, it was COVID, right? So I couldn't really leave my dorm or do anything. So I, was, I spent a lot of time inside my dorm and you know, Chargers football was like kind of taking over my, my weekdays. And so I found the Michigan Football Analytics Society, which is like the analytic, football analytics club for Michigan. And really just, it went, you know, took off from there. I started writing for them. I started learning about how to code, something I never really wanted to do before. And uh, I found that it was somewhat interesting that I could learn to code while doing football. So um, just been going up from there and just trying to get better every single day. That sounds fun, man. That's that's interesting. So you're going into your sophomore year, is that right? Yes. What what do you want to do? Like, what's your your end game? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, one of my like one of the things I always love to do is like build a team, right? And I think that kind of started from fantasy football, trying to be this like GM. I try to get like as many leagues as I could, um, just to get get a different perspective on how to build teams through the draft, through free agency, through trades. Uh, and you know, honestly, I really like working as this like gm type person so honestly like if i had to pick like a dream job it would be to be like a gm of a team um but one thing like obviously that's pretty hard to do when you don't have like a football background so i understand you know there's limitations to it but you know still gotta think big also love doing stuff with like the salary cap and you know salary cap analysis is something i think is pretty underrated like finding uh values for players in free agency and you know guys like Rashawn Slater has haven't even signed with the Chargers yet right they're probably trying to figure out what his comp is like I know Tristan Wirfs was drafted 13 last year I'm sure you know Ed McGuire is trying to put together a similar package to that to what Trist- Tristan Wirfs got last year aren't that was salaries that- uh aren't salaries already determined in the the like the slot right yeah to an extent but I think there's something called like an onset um Oh, it's like when you get the payments, right? Like they can, uh, that was what Joey Bosa's holdout was a few years ago where, uh, where he was going to be getting paid and stuff. So, you know, moving money around and, and being able to fit under the cap in certain situations and stuff like that. Right. I believe so. Yeah. 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 So I'm sure that, uh, you know, Tom Telesco, the conservative GM, he is nothing wrong with it. It's just, he probably, you know, wants to make sure that that this deal is perfect. So that's, that's another area I'm super interested in as well. Arjun, I mean, you're obviously super knowledgeable on the sport, but kind of talk to me. What is like, do you think is the most difficult thing not coming from a football background and now on the analytical side of things, trying to be a writer, a content creator? What do you think is the hardest part about doing that? When I'm writing, it's like some sometimes the terminology I use doesn't really match up with what the film guys talk about with what uh, draft analysts, coaches, like that's the terminology they hear. And like I've I've listened to podcasts, I've spoken to people who work in the NFL and like analytics analytics departments, and they always say communication between them and the coaches is the hardest part because a lot of the times the analytics people are just like simple people like who took data science in college or engineering. I'm not doing like that route specifically, um, but you know sometimes coaches and analytical people don't have the same or aren't always on the same page because the analytics people didn't play football. So if I want to get into that field, I think, you know, learning to watch film and understand terminology better is something I definitely want to do. But again, I think I'm getting better at it. Every single article I write, every single, you know, Twitter post I put. Out. It takes a lot of research, man, especially from the analytics side of things. But then you're like watching film and you're trying to 
to put all that together. I mean, that's, I mean, you never stop learning though. Like football's uh, it's ever changing. It's, it's interesting. So I'm curious who's building the better uh, sandbox roster right now. Is it Zach or is it Arjun? What do you think, Zach? Uh, I was taking a look at Arjun's team and for, for one, I don't think it was fair. The team, the initial team Arjun got having (laughs) Nick Bosa. I, I think there's another guy on there another superstar in the waiting before we even drafted his team was better than mine. Then he got the number two pick. Um, I really like what Arjun's doing. He's, he took a lot of uh, players that I was eyeing team. I like his initial roster. I mean, oh, his initial roster is crazy, man. <laughs> I have it right uh, here because yeah, Bosa I just, and Barkley. Bosa and Barkley. And Barkley two guys that I had on my initial, my initial wish list. look them up and they're not there. I'm like, what, where are they? And I go it's to the, they're out for the season. They they were out before the season started. So the sandbox just gave them players randomly. I started with Justin Houston. <laughs> that was it. That's the only like him got, and Trent Murphy is. I was so pissed. I got I got Jameis and Nuosu. And we're gonna build from there. <laughs> and Arjun is starting off with the second pick in the draft. It's not even fair, man. But why why are you doing us like that, Arjun? I no, I think I think something super underrated was, you know, I think Zach's doing a really good job. Uh, you know, I picked their team. You're not really in position for like an elite quarterback, right? And this is like the thing that Detroit kind of went through. They had the elite quarterback, but they never got the team around him, right? Mm-hmm. And now Zach got TJ Watt, Jalen Ramsey, and Fred Warner, and like arguably the three best pos- like players at that pos- at their respective position. Yeah, you and he got the defense. best receiver in the draft. Devonte Adams, right. like I got, got divorced. Devante. I got, and you divorced. got him in like the third round, right? Like I got Devonte my second pick. Oh, your second pick. I I just noticed you were going yeah. heavy so, on defense. Well, yeah, I went heavy on defense because at seventeen, I mean, I like Arjun was saying, I, I didn't have the cream of the crop offensive guys. Looking at at what other people are valuing, it's very offensive in the first half of the draft. So I was like, what is my option? I'm gonna pick from the best defensive players and. They're, they're following me. I kind of just have to take them. It's fun though, right? What, what are you looking forward to most out of this, Arjun? Out of the whole sandbox thing? Because I know this is new to you. I know, Zach, this is also new to you. But you being the analytics guy, I mean, what, what takeaways do you got so far in in this, uh, this fantasy draft that we're in the middle of? Yeah, so uh, I, like one of the things I wanted to try to do is like learn to build a team you like, and we talked about, I think youth is such an important thing because obviously there's no contracts that are in play here. Um, but oh, there will be, there will be contracts like, youth into account. There will be contracts. You will be signing these, signing yeah, these players uh, to contracts. Sorry. Like I'm They're They're not already under contract, but you have to kind of learn it. Right. And you, and you don't really know. Cause you haven't really done it. You haven't really done it either. Zach, you guys are kind of just uh, fumbling your way through it and just signing the best players you can. Yeah, it's an I, interesting concept, though. Well, it definitely is. I definitely, I, I, th- I had a strategy coming in, and honestly, like five picks in when they just went quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. It kind of, you know, had you, you had to adapt. It's so different. I've never done anything like this. Um, so I really had no idea what to expect. Three days in, I'm still picking it up. I don't know what to expect for the next couple of days. And you guys will pick it up. I I uh, have a team in this league, uh, for anybody listening. I picked up Russell Wilson, Justin Jefferson, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Humphrey, uh, Braden Smith, and Jedrick Wills. So I went real heavy on the offense, uh, but my defense is lacking. But 
as we go through this process, you guys will start learning about the contract side of it. You guys will get into the game planning side of it. Uh, we're going to have a short free agency period. We should, um, because this is starting kind of late into the season, I think they modified things a little bit. Uh, so I'm still kind of learning about those modifications as well. But for anybody who is interested in learning more about sandbox simulations and just having fun with it, uh, you can DM me at the Master Bowl. That's T-H-E-E, two E's at the Master Bowl. And then uh, if you want to get 20% uh, off your first season, use Shock 20 at checkout and we'll get you in if you have any questions about it or you just want to have some fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, moving it on. Yeah, I, I'm having a lot of fun. I can't wait to get in after this draft and kind of mess around with the other tabs because a lot of it's blocked out right now. I can't. I want to get in more involved and figure more things out, but I, I, at this point, I can't. So I'm, I'm excited for this initial draft to be over so we can move into the next stages of the season. It's a lot of fun so far. All right, so before we move on to linebackers, which we will be talking about today, I, I want to bring up the Charger Bolt family barbecue that I had the chance to go to this past weekend. I would, wasn't able to stay very long, but from what I had seen, there was an awesome turnout. A ton of yeah. people were there. It was held in Mission Bay uh, Park. Um, the Southern Cali Thunder Alley came out to barbecue, which if you don't Sweet. know what stunt... If you don't know what the Thunder Alley is, it's a it's a collaboration of a bunch of tailgating groups. You've got the Die Hard Bolt Club, which everybody's aware of, uh, Swoop and D Tailgate, Bolt Pride, Five North Bolt, High Voltage, Bolt Dogs, Bolt for Life, Bolt Rachos, a bunch of tailgating groups, and all the food is free. When you go to games at SoFi Stadium and you go to the tailgating parking lot, you're going to see these because it's you can't miss it. It's a ton of fans that get together and they just have a ton of fun. The reason for this event though, was to help raise funds to purchase items for the homeless because on Saturday was the barbecue on Sunday was a homeless event. Uh, I know I went and donated some socks, toothbrushes, some shirts, the whole barbecue itself raised $5,000 wow. to help clothe and feed over 300 homeless folks in downtown San Diego. That's awesome. Um, it is awesome. I, I love being part of the fraternal side of things um, when it comes to the Chargers and, and our fans. Um, like I said, I didn't get to stay long, but I came to donate some items, uh, ate a little bit of barbecue, and then uh, I had to head out to the Inland Empire for Father's Day with my, my dad. Uh, but they were having cornhole tournaments. They did a bunch of raffles. Uh, they gave away like a, a an Antonio Gates full-size lid. Uh, they gave away a uh, Justin Herbert jersey. They gave away a couple mini lids, some magnets, uh, a triple sign, Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, and Justin Herbert framed photo, all signed. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of stickers, a bunch of kids. It's a great place to, you know, it was, it was just a lot of fun. And I wasn't there very long, which kind of sucked. Uh, I'm not personally vaccinated right now, so I didn't feel too comfortable staying around all these people. But uh, it was definitely a good time, and I, I just love being part of something like that. Yeah, I, I was super jealous and had a lot of envy just looking on the pictures. Um, obviously, I couldn't get down there being in Northern California, but I, I really wanted to. I, I really like Mission Bay Park and everything that the Charger Bolt family is doing for the homeless community. It, it is really amazing. Hats off to Ken and Mary for setting all that up. Definitely. Arjun, you're part of that group, right, on Facebook? Uh, I'm in I'm in the group. I'm not like super active with it just because like I'm going to be going up to Michigan 
uh, right. next semester in August. Um, I know Diehard Bolts Club uh, just opened a chapter in Detroit. They, like, I think the president actually reached out to me saying, like, you know, do you want to meet up? And I said, like, yeah, that'd be great. Um, and I'm also like, I, I'm going to the Broncos game on the in week 17. Uh, so I'm hoping to oh, see. Oh, that's going to be know, such Bolt. a good game. There's going to be yeah, so much yeah. on the line. I, I have hope, a feeling that game is going to be like a playoff implication type game. Yeah, so I'm, happy to go to that one also. How we many better, games have you been a part of? Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Uh, okay. The thing is, like, me and my family aren't, like, big stadium watchers. Uh, like, yeah. I like going to it, but I was never, like, old enough to drive myself. And, you know, we like, I was fine watching it at home anyway because, like, normally Sundays are is a big fantasy to have my computers and everything open. The one game, the most recent game I went was 2018. It was Chargers Niners. Uh, Chargers won by like two or something, and like that game was like scary as hell. Like Philip Rivers threw a pick six on the first drive of the game. Oh, I remember and, that. Like C.J. Bethard was was carving us up for most of the game on third downs, and who? luckily Derwin James. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, that, that's, what I, that's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, but you know, luckily Derwin had that clutch uh, QB hit that resulted in the Rochelle interception seal the deal yeah that was oh, yeah but I'm, I'm hoping that chargers broncos game is, is lights out you know for the playoffs on the line me and zach are going to be going to the browns game i'm a season ticket holder so i i get the opportunity to go to every game that i really want but uh i'm uh taking zach under my wing who knows maybe if you're you're out here we'll make it to a playoff game or something i don't know man i, I like to take friends with me on these season tickets my wife doesn't want to go to every game <laughs> 
Well, yeah, you gotta you gotta make some noise if you're gonna be there. And Arjun, if if you do make it to that uh, Chargers Broncos game, I need to hear you on the the stream. I need to hear it on the yeah. What do we call it? The broadcast. Yeah, I'm 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 like five rows behind one of the end zones. So I mean, hey, hopefully you just find a cameraman. Gotta, yeah, wave them down, and you're we're gonna get you on the TV. <laughs> Yeah. We'll have to meet up, man. I'll be there for that game for sure. That's definitely going to be a playoff implication type game, I'm assuming. Uh, it's good stuff, man. I'm excited for it. Have you seen SoFi Stadium yet? Where do you live? I'm curious. Uh, I live in Irvine, so like Orange Irvine. County area. Not too bad. Yeah. Not too far. We'll definitely have to yeah. meet up. Probably won't yeah. get to drink with you because you're probably underage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we'll figure something out. We'll, probably meet yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. All right, next up, we'll be going over linebackers. Uh, the first linebacker we should probably talk about is Kenneth Murray. He was our starter last season, played in all 16 games. Uh, he had the most snaps of any rookie linebacker last year in the entire NFL. Finished with 107 tackles, which, by the way, broke Duran James' record for most tackles by a rookie in Chargers franchise history. Zach, what are your expectations of Kenneth Murray in year two? expectations they have to be sky high i mean he at just one season he's already one of the most dynamic players we have on the roster and we just got to see a little bit of his playmaking ability we, all the injuries everything all the chaos surrounding him no no training camp also playing in a defense that didn't really cater to a skill set he dropped 107 tackles absolutely crazy he was forced to drop a lot in coverage not really his his skill set, but we've already talked about it. Staley is going to put his backers and he's going to allow his backers to play more traditional linebacking roles, which means less coverage and more emphasis on stopping the run. And most importantly, he's going to let K-9 blitz. He didn't blitz at all last year. 35 total snaps as a blitzing that's, linebacker. That's crazy because if you look at his college tape, they were blitzing him all over at Oklahoma and he has the explosiveness to get through the gap. He has the speed to bend the corner. And I, I just can't wait to unleash his athleticism as a blitzer. It's going to be very, very explosive. What are your thoughts, Arjun? Yeah. Like if I'm being honest, like at the time, I don't think the Kenneth Murray pick made sense at all. Like, no, we were, we're all talk- surprised when yeah. they traded up for him. Right. And, and like, Here's the thing, right? As an analytical guy, trading up for a non-QB is like, how do I how do I put it? It's like it's like the worst thing possible you could do in the draft. Like you don't trade up at all because the value just you don't get like a good ROI for a non-QB, and especially, especially for, for the linebacker position itself. Exactly, off off all linebackers like that's slowly becoming the the least valuable position on defense, right? And to for them to trade up for a linebacker that's number one, not even good at like wasn't good in coverage in Oklahoma and primarily a blitzing run stuffing linebacker, it didn't make sense at the time. And then we learned that he's gonna be playing middle linebacker. You're gonna be dropping him into like like 10 yards down the field. You're gonna be asking him to guard Travis Kelsey and slot receivers. It just didn't make sense. Now we we put him in Staley's scheme right where we have multiple formations where he's going to be blitzing off the edge blitzing up the middle put him in you know hopefully more of his natural skill set where he's closer to the line of scrimmage and not closer to the first down marker have him you know hopefully guarding the flats guarding running backs um out of the backfield that's where i think he'll prosper as a blitzer as like a 
a spy. As yeah, a spy. That's a spy. His, that yeah. was what made him so dynamic was playing sideline to sideline, player near the line yeah. of scrimmage. I totally agree. What about the comparisons that when, when you think of two linebackers drafted in the 2020 NFL draft, you think of Patrick Queen and then you think of Kenneth Murray. Where where do you think that they match up next to each other? Who's the better linebacker today? I think as of right now, I think um, Murray's graded out better. And I'm not talking PFF grades because I think, you know, those are subjective to an extent and you don't really want to use those as your only argument. Queen has the flashy stats, right? Like, but he's also playing in that Ravens defense where he has a ton more ton of opportunities to make a play, right? Like a blitz heavy scheme. He had like a fumble return for a touchdown. He had a pick six at some point. And like everyone's saying like he should have been defensive rookie of the year or something just because he has these counting stats, but you look at you match up his coverage stats on like a per play basis. I mean, he had like he had one of the worst reception percentages allowed when targeted, right? He was one of the he had one of the worst like gr- one of the worst graded coverage linebackers in the league, right? And he now also you, missed you have, a ton of tackles too, yeah, right? Yeah, and like obviously that's more of that's more of an indication of of the Raven scheme, right? They're gonna he has a lot of one on one situations because they're in man because. They're blitzing a lot, but to me, I think Murray overall better prospect just because of his size and speed. I just, I just want to see him be used in a role where you know he's successful. Like I don't dropping him into coverage doesn't like sound right. If anything, that's what Patrick Queen. Yeah, that's what Patrick Queen should have been doing, playing more zone. And Murray is honestly probably a better man, like a man coverage linebacker. But I'm interested to see if you know Murray takes that next step over Queen because Queen's going to be in that same scheme in Baltimore. And, you know, Murray's going to be in a scheme where Brandon Sealy hopefully uses him uh, to his strengths. Your thoughts, Zach? I'm right there with Arjun. I I think the Ravens' defense as a whole was just way more productive than the Chargers' defense was last year. They Numbers, talent-wise, so I I think Arjun hit it on on the head there. I think they're both very similar in their athletic abilities, but they do di- they do different things. McQueen is a, a much better coverage backer. Murray Murray just needs to be utilized. He was a caged beast last year. We didn't really we didn't put him in positions to make plays. And I think this year, I think this year he's going to make the step. He is going to show he's a better linebacker than McQueen. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to grade him out at this point. I think I don't think they're really fair comparisons because of the teams and the schemes that they play in. Right. Now, I, my thoughts on Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen is if you put Kenneth Murray on the Ravens defense last year, he's way, way more productive because That's it really fair. fits his skill set. And if you look at what Patrick Queen and, and him both kind of specialize, it's it's playing down near the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think that they would have had very similar seasons. You look at Patrick Queen, he, he had a couple sacks. I think he had like five sacks. He had some pressures, but he was utilized in that role. But if you put Queen in Gus Bradley's defense, I mean, if you, you take all those missed tackles that he had last season, Kenneth Murray was a very strong tackler out in space. Um, I just, I think because of the way that the scheme used Kenneth Murray, it really hurt him overall. And I think he still made the all rookie team, which is great. All, all that's nice and fun and stuff like that. But ultimately 
they they drafted him and they played him out of position, and that's what really hurt. Which is why I'm expecting a huge, huge year from Kenneth Murray. Yeah, uh, and just looking at and yeah, just looking at the numbers again. Murray had one sack, one QB hit, and five tackles for loss. With his athletic ability, there's no way those numbers should be five, six times what he posted last year. I, I don't see his numbers staying, you know, that stagnant with with Staley leading this defense. I just don't. No, I think he's going to be utilized a lot better. The Chargers' next linebacker is going to be playing inside of him or outside of him, you know, right next to him. It's going to be Drew Tranquil. Uh, Drew Tranquil's drafted in the fourth round of 2019. Uh, he missed basically all but six snaps of 2020 with a broken ankle that looked gruesome. I remember watching him fall down on that play, and it was I, – I wanted to shed a tear. because I think I might have shed season. two. Yeah, everybody knew that that was a season-ending injury just by the way that it looked. Uh, but he played exceptionally well in 2019. Again, he made the all-rookie team as a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, he was a special teams ace. I, I mean, two block punts. He had nine tackles. He was the Chargers special teams player that year. Uh, he likely won't play that much special teams this year because I expect him to be more of a starter. But he really came in as a situational uh, player to that defense. He had 75 combined tackles and he wasn't even a starter. Uh, he only started three games. Uh, Zach, what are your expectations for Drew in, in year three? Yeah. I'm just back to that injury. That was so devastating because I, I think we all kind of had a feeling that last year was going to be a coming out party for tranquil and watching him go down against the Bengals was just absolutely devastating. I, I think Moving forward, you know, injuries are part of the game. You got to get, you, you just got to deal with them. It's something that happens. So I expect him to come out angry with something to prove. You know, he had a great 2019 season. 2020 was taken from him. So I just want to see what, what, what kind of player are we going to get? Are we going to get the angry, pissed off player trying to prove something? Uh, I, I think if his health keeps up, you know, he has the talent to have a, a massive, a massive season. Do you remember his uh, his training camp last year? How everyone was talking about oh, he, how well he was playing. I really, really liked Drew Tranquil uh, as Man. a year two contributor to that defense for sure. Uh, Arjun, what what are your expectations of Drew Tranquil, uh, and how is he going to fit next to Kenneth Murray? Yeah, so uh, this is actually a question like I've I've I thought of um, a couple weeks ago. But when the Chargers go dime, right, do they stick with Murray or do they stick with Tranquil? And it's something, like, really you have to think about, right? Like, on third-down situations, do you want a better coverage linebacker? Because Tranquil, in his rookie year, he was pretty solid in coverage, even in limited snaps, right? Do you want Tranquil or do you want Murray? And I think, you know, to me, unless you're playing Murray at the line of scrimmage and putting him in the flats, I think, you know, Tranquil over the middle is is a better option, especially since – he is a converted safety, right, coming mm -hmm. out of Notre Dame. And to have that experience playing safety, guarding, uh, I'm assuming tight ends and especially running backs, and maybe even like slot receivers, I think that gives him a slight edge up. Um, you know, there's not – I never like to read too much into OTAs and mini camps, but there was a ton of pictures where Tranquil was talking to Sta Coach Staley and he had the the earpiece in with the, with the radio, which, which is like the – green dot right on the helmet yeah yeah that's right. so he's the uh he's the he's calling the play like yeah exactly yeah so 
you know, they're going to, if they're relying on him to call the plays, I highly doubt they're going to take him out when it comes to dime packages. Right. And maybe, maybe having him in on dime packages and taking Murray out is, is good. Cause when you run nickel, it keeps Murray fresh, maybe doesn't work. And maybe Murray is, or maybe Durant's calling the plays like John Johnson did. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But one thing, another thing I, I really found interesting, uh, Staley, he runs these like tight fronts. I've read about this. Like it's like a college scheme where you pack the middle and then you f- like make them force the runs outside. And so like one of the formations I saw the Rams run a lot last year was like a five, one, five where they have five guys along the line, a single that's middle a, linebacker. That's the Eagle front, right? Is that yeah, what that's yes. called? <laughs> See, like that's that non-football ter- terminology <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. familiar with. We're going to yeah, teach you. Like, yeah. So they pack the middle and they force the runs outside because th- that's where it's weak. And so if you know it's a run, obviously you want Murray. If it's a if it's a pass, you want Tranquil. But to to play those tight fronts, you need to you need to know that that linebacker can hit that gap, and if they run a play action, that they can get back in time. So I think in those type of situations, I think we see Tranquil on the field and dime, and it's it seems like Staley loves him just the way they you know the pictures have shown. Obviously, you can't read too much into it, but him getting the the green light to get the green dot. That also should free up Murray to play more freely, and it should be less communication on his end and more just, you know, attack, canine-type mentality. You know, actually, that's a really good point that you bring up, is who's going to be playing that position on in that dime role? And to be honest, the way that I look at that is on a week-by-week basis. Yeah. So if you're playing the Ravens, if you're playing uh, the Chiefs, if you're playing um, – I'm just going through there – their schedule here really quick. Uh, you're the Patriots. You're playing, you know, these quarterbacks that have some athletic ability to get outside the pocket. I feel like that's when you want Murray and is to be able to play that spy role. Uh, they're probably going to be playing a lot of man, especially in those situations and bringing pressure. I think you want Murray to go and chase down the quarterback where if you got somebody like Brady, you got somebody like, I don't know, um, Drew Locke or or whoever's going to be starting there, right? Like if you're going to be playing these more of these pocket style quarterbacks, then you're probably going to want Drew Tranquil in to be more of a coverage linebacker. So that that's an interesting point that you bring up is who plays that role. And honestly, I think it's going to be a game plan type of uh, issue. Who are you playing? Who is, do they threaten you outside the pocket or not? But how awesome of a luxury is that to have, to have two guys that we could potentially be playing running that dime defense. That's awesome. It is. And good problem to have. And they complement each other so well. We talked last week about how Jerry Tillery and uh, Justin Jones complement each other. One's really good at rushing the passer. One's very good at in the run defense. Now you mm-hmm. also have two linebackers who complement each other. One's really good at playing near the line of scrimmage. The other one plays better in coverage. And they're both so athletic. That combination of those two guys their athletic profiles are off the charts. Yeah, I mean, the building blocks that we have in place on this Charger team it is so exciting. We I haven't seen it since the LT, Marty Schottenheimer era. We just haven't had this accumulation of talent in so long, and it's just so exciting to see. I can't wait for us to put it all together and play a full 17-game season. With the coaching staff that we trust. I mean, have we yes. really trusted <laughs> the coaching staff in, in previous eras? Anthony Lynn, we were excited about for a little while there. Well, and even think... even Marty, I think one of the most successful coaches of at least my lifetime. 
his problem was he choked in the playoffs. Great in the regular season. Couldn't get it done in the playoffs. So we've always had a problem. The coach, the coaching staff has always been an issue um, and no longer seems to be a problem. And I'm excited about this coaching staff. At every single position group, there's somebody there that is at least interesting. We we don't know too much about some of them. Some of them come from the college ranks. Yeah. But we definitely have something in place where we're excited about the coaching staff for once. Yeah, I, I, I just listening to the every coach I've heard take a, a press conference. I've been more than impressed from walking away from it. No Frank one, Smith was really all of them. Yeah, They're all, all impressive in their own different ways. I think we have a lot of head coach candidates in the making, um, and I hope to keep a hold of them for a couple of years because there are some there's some solid football minds on this the coaching staff. Yeah, I agree. Next up, we'll talk about Kaiser White. Kaiser White was drafted in the fourth round of 2018, I believe. I think he's a quality depth piece. He's in a contract year, so I love players who are in a contract year, not because uh, – just because of their their need to play for something, they're playing for money, they're playing for their next contract, whether that be here, whether that be elsewhere. In college, I know he played like a safety hybrid role, mm-hmm. uh, some of that little bit of that rover type of player, uh, but he kind of struggled a little bit in coverage last season, which was not something that I anticipated, but his trajectory as a rookie was extremely high. Yeah. I, he came out as the day one starter. He played just three games, but his his injury that he had after that third game really kind of knocked him off of his trajectory a little bit. He was available all in 2019, but he started just seven games as kind of a rotational piece behind Denzel Perryman as more of an off the ball linebacker. Again, injuries kind of derailed his, uh, you know, his trajectory. He struggled at times in coverage, but he racked up 77 tackles last year. Uh, He's got to really improve if that's his role being that kind of that coverage linebacker, but I, I like his outlook as a uh, rotational piece, as a injury um, hedge against this linebacking unit. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on him, Zach for Kaiser White? Yeah, I, I think he's earned a little bit more playing time. Um, I, I think he's one of our better, better tacklers on the team. But he, he's a guy whose production is extremely hard to predict. You, you mentioned his rookie season, didn't re- miss most of that for injury. He did play in all 16 games in 2019, but I, I think he was fairly misused. Um, and in 2020, I thought he was having the best season of his career, but then missed three weeks on the COVID list, I think was on the IR for the final two weeks. So missed a little development there. Um, but I like the player. I think there's always room on a football team for good, solid tacklers, and I think that's what Kaiser White is. What are your thoughts, Arjun? Yeah, so I, I mean, I really like Kaiser in 2018. I think he had that pick against the Rams, and I was like, wow. I mean, this guy is like, he's young. He's like, he's a converted safety. Also, like, like you said, Tyler. And I thought, I mean, we had like kind of what we have this year. We had the run stuffer in Denzel, and then we had mm-hmm. the coverage guy in, in Kaiser, but now it's Kenneth and Tranquil. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think it's he's fine to have as a, as a depth piece, and I agree with both both of your sentiments. I think him struggling in coverage was a little bit you know worrisome at times, um, but I, I think what Tranquil said in his press conference, like the, the coaching staff just did not put him in favorable situations. They had him guarding Jared Cook, running a deep crosser, and obviously, you know, the Chargers were missing um, 
Ingram and Justin Jones that game. So they're obviously and Bosa had those three injuries. So they're obviously they're going to get no pressure on Drew Brees right behind that stacked old line. And you know he's expected to guard Jared Cook on this deep crosser with minimal safety help. Like Adderley got there late, and Jared Cook is like one of the, one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. Right, he got yeah. burnt by OJ Howard on like one of those play action uh, vertical routes. Now Bucks game, I mean it. It kind of spoke that I don't think he's ever fully got over that injury. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Drew Tranquil's injury, I think broken bones and uh, joints are, are a little bit easier to come back from because usually you won't have that many like uh, like residual effects. But an ACL injury, I mean, there's other complications within the knee. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going through it right now with, with my knee, but it's not an ACL. <laughs> and like, I think for him, I'm just really hoping that he's coming into the season healthy. And I think, I mean, he is a solid death piece. And when, if Tranquil goes down, I just, I'm wondering if, sorry, not when, if he goes down. You know, <laughs> yeah. The, you better change question. that statement right there real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm question. There's two questions like who takes over the green dot. Does it go to Kenneth? Does it go to Kazir? Derwin, maybe. Does it go to Derwin? Maybe. I would really like to see Derwin wear that green yeah. dot. And does like we talked about in the dime packages, does Kaiser just uh, step into Tranquil's role on dime packages on early downs and nickel? But yeah, I, mean, I really liked him. I just I'm really hoping he gets back to um, his 2018 form, and you know maybe this coaching staff uses him as that dime backer as a like AP role, right? We hear all the time about yeah. star about money. Does does Kaiser have the athleticism to play that? And um, you know I think he does. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I, just I definitely think, think – go ahead, well, Zach. Yeah, just looking at the guys we have on the roster, I, I think Kaiser White is best suited to fit that hybrid linebacker DB role. So his entire time with the team, he's always played that Sam linebacker role, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stand up over the tight end while the defensive end's on the outside and really be there as a, you know, uh, in run support. Uh, but – then in coverage, there were times where he would be matched up running deep down the field with these athletic tight ends. And you would want that situation from a player who's supposed to be that, you know, safety yeah. hybrid type of player. But he was never, ever Shaq Thompson, right? He was never, ever that type of player to be able to run like that, even though we wanted him to be. And even though that was who he was supposed to be when he was coming out of college, right? He was supposed to be that guy. But you know, maybe when he added weight these last couple of years, he's lost some of that speed, some of that athleticism. You know, he's trying to be more of a downhill, uh, you know, run stuffing type of linebacker, but that just didn't fit his mold. I am looking for Staley to put in more favorable matchups. I think that's something that's important for for his development, for his contract elsewhere. I I'm curious to see if we like him enough to bring him back. Uh, Mm -hmm. as a kind of a depth piece as a you know special teamer Uh, I think he should probably play a lot of special teams this year because he is still pretty athletic and he is a backup technically Um, so we'll we'll see where he ends up being Uh, if one injury goes down he becomes a starter uh, that that quickly so uh, and I feel comfortable with him in that role but Again, he just his development seemed to kind of slide off track there a little bit for his trajectory as a rookie. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe just another year removed from that injury, another year with a coaching staff that can cater to player skill sets. I, I think 
I think we. I don't see why we can't see a revitalization from White. Any final yeah. comments, Arjun? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say like with the injury thing, this coaching staff and medical staff. You know, they hired a director of sports performance, which is like going into that sports science area, which is like super important because like nowadays you want to try to keep your players healthy uh, going into the season and to sustain in uh health throughout the season um pff recently did like a study that showed injuries accumulate and th there's more injuries from week 11 and it, it grows exponentially from week 11 on and so to give the players this time because we all know they know how to tackle like obviously you want to have these scrimmages to see how it looks but you know are you are you really willing to risk the health of derwin james another season you know some of these star players what what if joey bosa has another injury right like in 2018 imagine what the record could have been if he was healthy from week one. All right. So having that type of uh, sports performance uh, medical staff where they know not to overdo it in training camp is, is something that's super important. And I'm, I'm probably going to be going to training camp. So I'm going to be looking, you know, to see what kind of drills they're doing, but that's something to keep an eye on. I'll definitely be at training camp. It is something to keep an eye on. And, you know, something I would like to look at, maybe I can put you, give you some homework, Arjun. Uh, how did the injuries from last year when COVID stopped, uh, popped up and, and we didn't have as much contact, how did, were the players more prepared for this season or less prepared? And cause it's curious for me to know, because I, I know a lot of players wanted more contact in training camp because it helps them prepare their bodies for, you know, a longer season. And I'm curious to know, like, how did the the injuries stack up in 2019 compared to 2020 when there was less contact where players were, were there less injuries because there wasn't as much contact during the off season or were there more injuries because players were not bodies were not, I, it just seemed like at the be very beginning of the year that players just were not conditioned to the, the degree that they needed to be early on. And I know the chargers were hit hard with injuries very quickly. And I know yeah. you actually did a piece not too long ago. I remember reading a piece about um, injuries and how it significantly affects a team's win-loss percentage. Yeah. Can, can you talk about that a little bit, actually? Yeah. So um, what I did pretty much is Football Outsiders has this injury metric called adjusted games lost, where they're kind of just looking at the injury reports and charting down, you know, players and, you know, their uh, – designation tags going in so questionable doubt doubtful out and so you know as usual the chargers had one of the worst agls adjusted game loss uh ranks and number uh in the entire in the entire league in 2020 without covid like i, I did it without covid and they were still um one of the worst teams when it came to that and the the thing i found interesting is you know this agl metric is actually like it's stable from year to year so what that means is like you won't see like a meteoric rise or or drop like a josh allen type production like it's going to stay relatively stable and the chargers for the past decade per my analysis like they they were in the bottom six in terms of worst injury luck and and at this point like it's you can't even call it luck like i actually think there's something within this medical staff you know, I'm not, I don't want to put blame, but there's like there is something that has gone wrong that the Chargers continuously find themselves at the bottom every single year. And for the past five years, they've been in like the bottom seven, bottom eight, even in that 2018 year. Right. Like Hunter Henry goes down in OTAs or, and, 
imagine what the record in the offense could have been then, right? With Hunter Henry and the three receivers we had, right. Eckler, Melvin Gordon. So it is somewhat stable from year to year, the amount of injuries um, you get. The thing that's not stable is the impact of the injuries. And I think my friend over at PFF did a piece about this. Like the the amount of wins and losses you, you get uh, or the amount of wins you lose from injuries isn't something that's particularly stable from year to year, just because a lot of the wins you lose come from quarterbacks. So that kind of represents some outliers, which the Chargers luckily have never had a big issue with, right? With Philip right. Rivers. Interestingly yeah. enough, right? Yeah. Funny. like, <laughs> But but yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping that this new sport, uh, sports performance staff bucks that trend. And I'm not expecting it to go from, you know, lower 20s to upper 10s but maybe you know we start to see this gradual rise and brandon Sealy's talked about putting his players first and adhering to their needs rather than you know what he wants to see out of the players well and we saw that from day one with otas him listening to his players saying hey what do you guys want he instantly listened and did everything that his players could ask for. If, if you're coming in as a new head coach and you're trying to develop that chemistry and that camaraderie, I don't know how you go about it any better than Brandon Staley has. Oh, I totally agree with that sentiment. Exactly. Him coming together with the, the player leadership and making decisions based off of what the players want. <laughs> that shouldn't be a new concept, but it kind of feels like it is, right? It is. Coaches listening to their players. That's not a, it's been a dictatorial kind of thing up to this point. You know, it's Monarchy. Like my right. My way or the highway. There's plenty of guys that would be happy to take your spot. So um, just to not have that ego in the head coaches is, is nice to see. Moving on. Uh, the Chargers drafted Nick Neiman in the sixth round. He's a 6'3", 235 pound, very athletic linebacker. At least that's how he tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, he He's his. I guess his combine metrics to me haven't really caught up with his gameplay speed. Uh, He really only has one year really good productivity for Iowa. He had 77 tackles in eight games. He played on the weak side, and he also played as a middle linebacker as a senior. Uh, I think he plays a little bit better near the line of scrimmage as, you know, kind of that quarterback spy downhill gap protector. Uh, While, you know, which is interesting enough because you've got, him playing kind of a similar role to what Kenneth Murray is. So if you're looking at the depth chart and you're splitting them, you know, you've got Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil kind of playing that more of that coverage role where you have Kenneth Murray and Nick Neiman playing more of that spy uh, downhill blitzing linebacker type of player. But he offers a lot of special team upside, probably won't be playing a whole lot of actual defense um, I think he's going to play a little bit more than a lot of people are expecting just because linebacker is such a high contact position. You can expect some kind of injuries there at that position. It just happens every single year for every single team. Uh, he's a strong tackler in space. Um, I, I'm excited to see him on special teams and see his trajectory, and we'll see where the pieces fall. What are your thoughts on Nick Neiman, Arjun? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be honest, like, I don't know too much about him other than he's super athletic. Uh, you know, didn't really watch too much film on him outside of like, you know, a podcast or Chargers just reviewing those picks. But I'm glad that they went after someone athletic. Like, I know he had a super high RAS score um, from his pro day, which I'm, I'm glad about. To me, Seventh it, I mean, higher, it, highest ever. 
seventh highest yeah. RAS I mean, score ever. That's great. I mean, it, to me, uh, even if they use him in that Kenneth Murray role, to go after an athletic linebacker signals that Staley and this front office are, are willing to invest resources to stop the pass, which I'm guessing is hopefully what, you know, if he develops into anything, into a starter role, that's what it's going to be to, to help stop the pass as a nickelbacker, dimebacker. And that's the name of the game of Staley, two-on-ones in the pass game and make sure you have guys that can cover. So I'm, if anything, you know, he develops into a good starting linebacker, but he needs to contribute on special teams. Like that, that, that is his number one job. And I've done, like I've bashed on the special teams so much on Twitter for the past like month and a half. Like this is the worst special teams ever in the from the past decade. And I'm sure it's the worst ever. Like, and it wasn't just the kicking unit. Last it was 10 like, years, easily yeah. one of the worst special teams units, just as much as it is the worst, you know, offensive line units in the last 10 years. Special yeah. teams, I mean, when you have a team like the Chargers who had the number one defense and number one offense in the same uh, year, and they uh, missed no. the playoffs because no. of the worst oh special teams. I Let me, I, I know I hate to bring up the past, right? Like, you know. <laughs> I'm crying. But it, it's true. Special teams is a very important phase of the game. And Arjun, you hit it on the head. He's going to have to play special teams. and have to play it well. Zach, what are your thoughts on Nick Neiman? I'm sorry to bring up bad memories. Yeah. PTSD is, you know, I, I'm only 27 and my, yeah, our special teams play is the reason I think I'm going to be bald by 35. But <laughs> Neiman... Don't talk to me about balding, bro. Look at this. Yeah, that's the top of my head. That's not the front. That's the top. I got some going on still. Either way, the Neiman pick has me sleeping a little better at night Um, because he's going to be a special team, a very special special team player. I think he's a very good tackler, and I think his his size, his addition, his size is something that we don't really have on this linebacking core. And what you're doing in the later rounds, you're looking for depth. We don't have. We're very, very young at linebacker. We have we have a lot of injuries in that group. So getting a depth guy like Neiman, I, I think is is solid. I think his effort is going to make him tremendous coverage guy from day one. And I, I think he has the size to be to get some snaps during you know short yardage situations because I we just don't have that size at linebacker. He's a big dude. He is. He is. He's a little lighter than you would expect, but he looks big, right? Like he's definitely got like good weight on him. Well, and I, I, I think losing, I think losing Perriman was big because we just no longer have that enforcer or that thumper in the middle of the defense that thump that, um, you know, Perriman was holding down for us the last couple of years. Looking at the other guys on the, the roster, it's athletic, fast guys that aren't really going to take your helmet off i i think neiman has the ability to really become a heavy hitter in the middle of our defense i like it i like that sentiment i think the heavy hitter though is going to be amen Og. we'll see if i get this name right amen Ogbong bamiga all right so amen yeah. Ogbong bamiga <laughs> he was the chargers very first signed udfa He's a four-time ap- academic, all Big Ten. He majored in accounting. He's smart, right? He's 6'1", 235 pounds. He was very productive at his time at Oklahoma State. I know a lot of people don't know who he is. I am a big fan of him. 
This was my surprise pick to make the roster on the last podcast. The hint, hint guy I was talking about, this is him. So in 2020, he had 80 tackles, five tackles for a loss, 2.5 sacks, three forced fumbles, and he only played, I want to say, eight or nine games for the shortened season. In 2019, he had 100 tackles, 15.5 tackles for loss, five sacks, a forced fumble, and an interception. And then in 2018 and 2017, he was a core special teamers. He was like a special team standout for them. Uh, he played very minimally on defense, but he does have a block punt. I know we want Drew Tranquil to play special teams because that's what he was really good at. I think we have somebody else who's very similar at that. I see Arjun already Googling him right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's best suited to play near the line of scrimmage, and he's going to back up Kenneth Murray. He plays very aggressively. He's, he's a strong tackler, right? And he looks a lot bigger than his listed 235 pounds. Now, while Nick Neiman's 6'3", 235, this guy's 6'1", 235. So he's two inches shoulder, and he's just he's more stocky, right? And the things that I don't like about Amin Agbagbamiga is that he kind of gets sucked into traffic a little bit. He has trouble kind of finding his way to the, the ball carrier just a little bit. Uh, and he doesn't always play over the top of blocks. So as the linebacker, you have a gap responsibility. And I feel like sometimes he gets sucked too much in instead of playing over the top. And sometimes he'll undercut blocks, which allows the ball carrier to get get like it opens running lanes. But when you play over the top of blocks, you force the run back inside, which you always want. You always want the run coming back to the inside because that's where you have the most help. And I feel like he likes to undercut blocks at times because he is lighter. And you'll see it. You'll see linebackers kind of, uh, uh, you'll see offensive linemen kind of drive him off and out of the way. Mm. And uh, it's 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 a weight thing, right? But he is very aggressive. I've seen him just demolish quarterbacks, like quarterbacks throwing off his back foot and he's go running straight through him. I like him a lot. I, I think he, I think our depth at linebackers light. I think outside of Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil, you just kind of have Kaiser White, and we don't know much about Ben Neiman. We don't know much about this Ogbog Bamiga guy. And I think that they're going to definitely make the roster because I don't see how you don't carry five linebackers in total. Now, granted, I don't expect us to be playing very many three, four true defenses. We're going to be playing a lot more, you know, four, two, five, four, one, six, or five, one, five types of roles. So I don't see them carrying more than five, maybe six. If they're carrying six, he definitely makes the roster. Oh, yeah. I like him a lot. Uh, not a lot of people know about him. Go find a highlight tape. He's a hitter. He's a thumper. Uh, he's the next Denzel Perryman to this roster. That's my thoughts. I don't know if you had a chance to look at him at all, Zach. Well, all I, all I really know about him is from what special teams coordinator Darius Swinton has had to say about him. And it's only been you know, really, really good remarks and high, high praise. Um, already getting his attention in OTAs as a special teamer. It, what are you doing? You're running fast and you're looking athletic. So, and you look at his pro day numbers, that dude is a beast. Four, six, four, six, six, 40, ran a four, two, eight shuttle, 24 reps on the bench press is a 32 inch vertical. I mean, 
uh, good football coaches are going to take athletes and make them better football players. If you're athletic, I'm going to make you a good football player. We're going to find a position for you to play. Right now, it's going to be special teams. But like you said, he could give him a year or two in this defense. I, I don't see why he can't, you know, uh, crack the linebacker rotation. What do you see on your quick Google search, Arjun? I totally saw you Googling them. I saw the figures <laughs> type in. Yeah, I mean, it, it pretty much just uh... – it was just kind of what you said. You, I just found his stats and like what you know how it could translate. It seems like he's more of a you know, like a heavy hitter, like you said. And I, I think one thing to point out is if there's any room on the defense or any a position group where you want to be light in, it's linebackers, just because of how scarcely they're used in nickel and dime nowadays. It's not like the olden days where you need like a really good linebacking group just because teams are running it down your throat. Nowadays, it's it's obviously you want to be have depth there, but. If you don't have like an elite linebacking group, it's you know it's fine. Even like not having average is fine. Um, the Patriots are that's not a good example. That's a bad like, example. They yeah, love the their linebackers. Yeah, the the Chiefs, right? Like the Chiefs have had like Anthony Hitchens and like Willie Gay, know, like Will, Willie Gay, yeah. But like even he didn't ben play. Neiman, uh, the brother of did, yeah, yeah. Ben Neiman's another one, right? Because Ben Neiman's yeah. the brother of Nick Neiman, like, and he's terrible, he might, by yeah. the way. Well, like you might find this interesting. Like the Chiefs have actually not been that bad at shopping the pass when they after they hired Spagnuolo, and they've had like not like they've had a bottom ten, bottom five even linebacking group. Right? It just shows like you're gonna run so much nickel and dime that you don't really need in a like a to invest that many resources into the into the linebacking room. So I'm I'm hoping that you know they spent some decent capital sixth round and maybe a UDFA that makes the roster, and if Kaiser leaves, Neiman steps in. Uh, Amen steps in, and then that's the last of it, right? We still have Tranquil under contract next year, and that we don't spend another pick on a, a, a position that's becoming less valuable as more nickel and dime start to hit the league. Right. And I totally agree with that sentiment. I'd much rather have three really strong corners, a two outside corners, and a nickel corner versus having three outstanding linebackers because you don't, they're not always going to be on the field together. And I think you can get by with, you know, third, fourth, fifth round linebackers in that group because they're not going to be playing that often, right? And and at that, their job isn't very complex the way that it is, you know, for corners oftentimes. You're asking corners to play a lot of man coverage nowadays. You're asking them to play a lot of zone, dropping in coverage. And these some of these quarterbacks are throwing 40, almost 50 times a game where you're only getting, you know, maybe 20 runs. If you're playing a really good uh, run first type offense, maybe, you know, like the Cowboys or um, Browns. Uh, the Browns, right, then you might need that. But at it's very rare that you find those many teams that are running very heavily like that. And you can still get by because those teams are still running out of, you know, three wide receiver sets oftentimes. I mean, how many fullbacks do you can you guys name that are starting fullbacks right now? Anthony Sherman's retiring, so zero. <laughs> yeah, not many. <laughs> Kyle Juicy, right? Uh, the Forty Niners. Like yeah, the Forty Niners have one, right? Uh, uh, Dalvin Cook, the the they they CJ Ham, I think. That's Derek Watt. I can name another one. Gabe Neighbors. I can name another one. Look at that. <laughs> So it is interesting to see the the NFL shifting to a lot more three wide receiver sets. 
it's it's the base offense in today's NFL, um, whatever that is, right? It's it's what teams are running, and that nickel back is becoming a position that is becoming more and more expensive to hire. Um, so it is interesting to see it go. It used to be your you know your nickel back was kind of your backup cornerback, and now it's a starting position in today's NFL, Easily. and it's important. And they're making Pro Bowls off of it. Marlon Humphrey, right, is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And he plays primarily inside because it's an important role in today's NFL. The Chargers have three more linebackers on their roster. I think they're kind of more long shots to make the roster. You have Amik Ekbule, who's in his third year, I believe. Cole Christensen and Damon Lloyd, to be honest. I don't know much about them. I know Amik Ekbule in college played for Houston and that he was kind of a kind of a slot linebacker, which is a little interesting to see, but I've seen him lining up on edge. Uh, I've seen him kind of lining up all over the place, Uh, but I I honestly don't know much about him. Don't think he's good enough in any one area to be able to make the roster. He's kind of my long shot. You guys have any thoughts on, on those three guys? No, they're, they're not going to make the team. Um, there's just no room for them. Every all the the guys we talked about do everything that those other three that you just mentioned can do ten times better. So I just don't see what I don't see what they can offer or bring to this team. I think if any if anyone Agbula would make the roster as an edge rusher. I don't I I don't think he's working out with the inside group. I think he's working with Jay Rogers and he could be like a backup to to Nuosu because I think Falkrill's playing. The bigger edge rusher, right? Backing up Bosa. Agbule and then you have Rumpf as well. So Renth, that would yeah. be five edge rushers, which is... Oh, yeah. That's that's yeah, doable, that's though. That's yeah. doable, though, because if you're if you're only carrying five linebackers, that extra player is going to some position somewhere. And the Chargers yeah. aren't going to be carrying five safeties. Not this year, anyways. I think that's one of the lighter position groups on the roster. Yeah. So, you know, they're probably going to carry I, – I could see them carrying nine defensive linemen in total. Yeah, agreed. All right, any final comments? Let's get into training camp so we can stop speculating and just admit that we're going to be a good team next year. How about that? <laughs> Does that work for everyone? I totally see the sentiment. I totally get the – but, you know, we're a good, good team on paper – we got to get it together. Yeah, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to prove it. I'm ready to go <laughs> out there and show some people that they're just wrong. <laughs> it's how it is every year, right? Buying every the year is in the off season. But I, I'll, I'll end it with this. I think Brandon Staley is probably one of the smartest coaches I've ever read about and studied. You know, everyone in the analytics community, whether it's PFF, whether it's like writers or people on Twitter, they absolutely love him and. If you know, if you guys are listening to this and and want to like understand why I'm saying this, I would encourage you to listen to his podcast with Chris Collingsworth and Richard Sherman. I mean, he just sounds like an absolute genius. Then he had another 20 minute uh, podcast with Seth Galina at like the PFF College Football Podcast that I listened to. I mean, the way he breaks down defenses for people like me who never played football and learned it from a numbers perspective, I mean, it's it's just amazing to listen to. So I'm super excited. And if anything, at worst, Brandon says a really good defensive play caller. He might not be an amazing head coach, but he's going to be a great defensive play caller. 
Arjun, I was ma- I made a joke last podcast that I thought that they should make an ASMR podcast of the Staley for football <laughs> I, I, minds. I totally what do you think about that? that? Would you would you be listening? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he doesn't. He's so well spoken. Like it's actually crazy that you know I've never like we never really heard about him until last year. I know it, the, his his rise has really been crazy, but it, it it's only a testament to his knowledge of the game. I mean, he everything that he's accomplished in the league so far is is. I don't know. He's a genius. I don't know how else to say it. Well, I won't let you go ahead and end that this podcast on that. I want to end the podcast on thanking you for coming on because uh, you're a very knowledgeable guy. And if you don't think so, your analytics uh, refreshment of like football, it's, it's, it's something nice to kind of listen to. I, I want to thank you personally for coming onto the podcast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And I guess we'll talk to everybody next week. We'll be going over the defensive backs in next week's podcast. Uh, so we'll be talking a little bit about um, our current starters, our, you know, my issues with the light secondary that I think that we have specifically to the safety room. Uh, again, Arjun, thank you so much for coming on.